This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast presented here by Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a Rockies affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and I'm joined today by our very own resident coach here in Colorado <laughs> and you know, pitching enthusiast, I, Kenneth Weber. I prefer the term instructor, uh, but mostly <laughs> I'm just, I'm not Evan, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm here filling the big shoes of Evan Lang today. So yeah, it's fun though, Ev- man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Evan went on is went on vacation. He's in Texas. He's been at all three uh, Texas Rangers versus Rockies games, planned his whole trip around that. Fortunately, it hasn't panned out very well for him. <laughs> Rockies-wise, those games have not been very good. Uh, but always happy to have Kenneth hop on with us. Uh, he's kind of our, our minor league. Also, just kind of head honcho covering the minor leagues with the Pebble Report podcast. Heard him and Evan uh, earlier this month. You'll probably hear back from him again early June uh, with the Pebble Report podcast and all of his articles over at Purple Row. So, fun times. Yeah, man. I mean, the the minor league, it's been that way for Rockies fans, I think, for a couple of years where it's like, I'm going to pay more attention to the promise of the guys on the farm. But, um, you know, hey, when they start seeing Tovars and V or uh, Tovars and Doyles doing their thing in the majors, it's good to to have an idea of kind of what kind of ball players they are before they actually reach course. So that's the whole point. Yeah. So it's always good. I'm getting more into the minor league stuff this year. I usually don't, but trying to spend more time getting to know those guys because we all know the big league club isn't as fun at the moment. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I mean, we, do you remember April? Things are way better now. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be worse. It could have been April. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're happy to be back here. We took the week off last week for mother's day and just busy schedules. Uh, but we're back in action today. I'm taking a break from playing the new legend of Zelda to come and talk <laughs> Rockies baseball, <laughs> and then I'll go right back to playing that because begrudgingly talking Rockies baseball. Yeah, it's out. It's the only thing that could pull me away from building dumb things and fighting monsters. Good stuff. Story of my life. <laughs> dumb things and fighting monsters. That's what life's all about. All right. Well, let's get it. Let's get into it, Kenneth. Uh, I guess first I wanted to ask as people to know we're Purple Row adjacent. A lot of our staff members. Uh, Kenneth included are able to to go to Rockies games sometimes and kind of mingle with the players and cover the games. And since I have you here, Kenneth, I just wanted to ask what, what's kind of been the general vibe. I know you were there recently at the Rockies games. What, what was kind of the vibe you've gotten from the team here in May, as opposed to you know, what we saw in April? Yeah. You know, I wasn't around much in April because um, it's finishing up the high school season, but it's been, it's been jovial. Um, I would say is, is the term, um for the clubhouse in may it's it's definitely a lot looser and i think you know it, that 
It, that's very well represented with Buddy Black. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's those times where he gets a little bit more tense, a little bit upright, and not necessarily defensive. Um, but you know, there's only so many times where you can be asked about it's bad. Why is it bad? And come mm-hmm. up with new and interesting answers for it. So um, I think it's loosened up. Uh, you know, maybe it's just uh, you know you you weathered the worst of it, so to speak, for for what this season is going to be, and now they can just kind of get back to playing. Um, and I think. There's a little bit, not so much of, you know, guys speaking up, young guys in particular, but I think that there's a, a little bit more energy um, just from some of the performances that you've seen out of Tovar and Doyle. Um, so I think that that's kind of reverberated around the club, clubhouse and, you know, giving them some new life over the course of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you can definitely tell that where they're just playing better baseball, there's been better defense and everything. And so having guys kind of performing a little better you know, in the lineup. They're incredible hitting with runners in scoring position for the most part uh, until they leave the bases loaded, nobody out, and they don't score. But I, I would kind of agree with that sentiment. Just from what I can tell watching and listening to games, that they, they do seem a little looser after a, an abysmal first month yeah. of the season. And it's it you know it's an intangible thing so to speak, but Randall Gritchett coming back, um, mm-hmm. I think is an important part of that process because he he does seem to kind of have a clubhouse leadership to him so to speak, um, or at the very least you know one of the, the more respected veterans in the room. So um, I think once he got back into the swing of things, maybe it just felt like some pieces of the puzzle, um, you know, started getting put into place and everybody was able to to you know feel more normal i guess with the season so that that was a big part of it yeah and like jerickson profar has now had a full almost two months now with the team he's kind of integrated himself he's got that huge on base streak going still Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of see guys getting comfortable they're meshing a little better yeah and uh, you know another thing is there's there's still a tremendous amount of injuries um, mm-hmm. that has has gone on, especially with the pitching staff. So, uh, you know, it's a breath of fresh air after Marquez walked back into the room. Um, you know, seeing him with the, with the TJ cast going, um, and every day, you know, there's the questions about Ryan Feltner, and he should be, um, I think, coming back to the clubhouse this week. So, you know, that's another thing that's that's a shot in the arm, so to speak, is seeing these guys who might have gone down for the year are still, you know, around the clubhouse. And it's always just uplifting um, when those guys come back. Yeah, that's like what we saw with Scott Oberg. Even though he mm-hmm. wasn't playing, he was still integrated with the team in the clubhouse. And I think more than ever, that's what's going to be really important this year because, like you said, there's a ton of guys on the injured list, specifically pitching-wise, which is kind of our, our next talking point here. The Rockies is trying to stitch together a pitching staff some way, shape, or form as they try to navigate the season because Antonio Senzatello came back from the ACL, had one good start, and then his next start only lasted a couple of innings. And what was it? A UCL sprain is what it was diagnosed as mm-hmm. in, in his pitching elbow, which... Now Kenneth has the the expertise here on the the old UCL and everything. So he's got his scar there showing on for your video viewers. Yeah, they need it's, to know. It's going to be it's probably a scary situation still. Obviously, Sensatel is a little worried about it. He's probably going to miss a couple of months at least. Uh, what do you see that timetable and that significance of Sensatel's injury? 
Um, I think there's a, this is the hard part because Lucas Gilbreth, I think was in a very similar situation minus, you know, coming back from the torn ACL, um, that Sensatella went through, but Lucas Gilbreth at the end of last year was kind of going through the same, uh, process, the same spiel where, uh, okay, there's an injury to the ulnar collateral ligament. This is not a full blown tear. We know that we don't have to go in there right now and do Tommy John, but it's the question of, how much can we let this recuperate mm-hmm. and kind of help it regenerate and build up strength to avoid the full tear happening, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm pessimistic in that because those aren't always the best outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of inevitability that when it, you know, there's damage to that ligament, it's going to, you know, kind of find its way through life will find a way to tear your elbow. Um, but so right now they did a PRP or at least they were on the precipice of having a platelet rich platelet rich palate injection um, into the elbow last week. Um, there was kind of some back and forth as to whether or not he had already done it, but it was on the table. So that's the next step is, OK, let's kind of juice up the joint, so to speak, try to get the blood flow going in that area. So that way we can get some healing going on and then start slowly rehabbing. I think this shows that the timetable is he's probably another month. I would mm-hmm. say, you know, three to four weeks um, because there has to be buildup and there can't be the slightest setback because mm-hmm. any sort of setbacks that happen along the way, one, you have to either start all over and that's kind of best case scenario or two, this ends up meaning that there's the the tear is bigger than expected or tore more, whatever the case may be. And now it's under the knife talk. So I think they just they they have to be treating it very conservatively and being very ginger about the whole thing, because, hey, if he goes down, that's a year. That's another mm-hmm. year loss for Sensa or for Sensa. So, um, you know, it, it's adding to the problems. It, it's just really adding to the problems in a hard way. And we just went through this with Marquez where, you know, there were a lot of red flags hanging all over the place with the triceps and the forearm. And then ultimately that led to, you know, the tear being evident. So now we're at that point again with Sensatella is the the hard truth of it. Mm-hmm. And, and for an organization that is bet so hard on, these guys being healthy, we need them in the rotation. These are our guys and making very little effort to, to boost <laughs> that starting pitching depth in the past. You know, like if you lose Sensatella here soon and if it inevitably becomes Tommy John surgery, you're down two starters already for the 2024 season. Mm-hmm. And who knows what they're going to do in the offseason to try and address that. And so they're just kind of scrambling and seeing what can they get out of guys they have right now. And you know, whether it's the trades, rookies bringing up, like uh, Carl Kaufman, or they hitting the waiver wire and bringing in veterans like Chase Anderson, who was kind of the, the go-to pivot after Sensatella goes down, they bring in Chase Anderson pretty quickly. And as recording, he's made one start. And not too shabby for Chase Anderson, 35-year-old, I guess he's 36 now maybe. Coming over from the Tampa Bay Rays, made a couple of starts with them, uh, or pitched uh, five innings, did pretty well in his two games with them. Uh, but he looked pretty good in that first outing for Chase Anderson. Yeah, I mean, one hit over five shutout innings. No matter how you slice it, you'll take that every single time. At Coors Field, uh, it, was, it was yeah, it was it was weird because Monday I think there was twelve runs scored by the end of the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on Tuesday, there's uh, two hits and no runs on the board. 
<laughs> by the end of the fourth inning. So it was it was definitely a contrast to the night before. Um, you know, he I think he offers a bit of a different look, which is a nice uh, uh, part, whether that's intentional or not for picking up Chase Anderson. I think it all boils down to this is a professional starting pitcher that we know can give us some quality innings. Um, it might not always be the prettiest and it might not be he wins us a lot of ball games, but he can give us a chance. Um, and so let's write it. And when it's from a pitching rich organization like Tampa, he's not being cut because he's, I would say a rating. He's not, you know, terribly ineffective. It's just there's an arsenal of better options, probably, mm-hmm. um, that that comes into an organization like that. Um, it's it's decent depth, and I think it's it's a it's more of a fastball profile and a cutter profile where we have a lot more guys in the rotation that work harder breaking balls or soft tossing lefties. So I think it's a it's it's a nice different look. Do I think that Chase Anderson is going to have the type of year that makes him a viable piece or somebody to expect will be in the rotation moving forward. I'm nowhere close to that yet, <laughs> but when you need to patch a hole, that's, you know, th- there's worse options um, that could be run out there. So uh, I think it's a fine pickup and it showed well in the first start at the very least. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what they're going to have to go th- do moving forward throughout this season is just looking for, no, not necessarily your next ace, but a guy who can go out there and just give you five quality innings, keep you in the ball game, and give your offense a chance to win it. Uh, because that's really all you can ask of your starting rotation this year, especially in Colorado, is we just need you to go out there and just don't give up a ton of runs, which Connor Siebold is doing today. Uh, yeah, while we're well. <laughs> but yeah. that's what you can all you can ask for is the pitching staff as they try to stitch it together. We just need guys that can be effective for four innings, and you know, and then we can hand it off to our bullpen, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But it's it's just as this injuries stack up. You know, Ryan Feltner takes a line drive to head, fractures his skull, and gets a concussion. You know, Noah Davis, we're still waiting on him to you know, come back. He was having elbow troubles, and so there's a lot of worries there. And so if you can bring in Chase Anderson to just kind of stop the bleeding just a little bit, oh, that's really nice. That's good to see and <laughs> could yeah. be a lot worse, like you're saying, Yeah, but especially the guy coming from Tampa Bay. Yeah, and so one, you kind of trust the the factory um, where he w- is coming from. Um, the good news on um, Noah Davis last week, that was one of the, the questions I talked to Buddy about. He was throwing a bullpen. Um, I believe that was his second uh, pen in uh, the past two weeks. So he's building up. It's not, it's, it's getting a little bit more in the clear than like we are with the Sensatella right now. With the uh-huh. Sensatella right now, it's okay, let's play and catch. How does it feel? Very, very limited um, amount of action el- that Sensa's elbow is being put through right now. Uh, Davis is building up. I think it's, it's feeling like he's kind of getting pretty close to that minor league rehab assignment territory. So um, that's a good thing. You know, he's, he quickly has become somebody that they're going to need to count on to be in the Uh rotation with everything that's going on. Um, And just, you know, in general thought, the Rockies have been kind of lucky when it comes to starting pitching health over the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, So there's some bad juju that's coming this year. And if you look at most organizations throughout baseball and you say, okay, look at your starting rotation and now remove two of the top three. How are you going to do? You know, that's a really tough ask for a lot of teams. And so. Mm. Um, it's okay to kind of feel sorry for the Rockies a little bit in this situation. But that said, you still have, what, 80 games to go, 75 games to go? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not 
you're not you're not in the clear yet. And no, I whatever. There's there's quite a bit more left on the schedule. Um, and hey, they're just gonna have to weather it, and they're gonna have to you know start getting a longer leash for a Noah Davis uh, when he comes back in. And Carl Kaufman is probably gonna be needed in the rotation. And whether you need some seasoning in AAA or not, you got to get out there. Yeah, and, and it kind of brings up the next point where you know, a couple of those rookie debuts this week. Uh, we can start with since we're talking starting pitching. Carl Kaufman made a long awaited debut. Uh, finally made his debut. Uh, was drafted in 2019, rose up, and finally made his his start in Texas last Friday. Friday, and he was good through his first couple of innings, and then probably about that fourth or fifth inning, things kind of started to to go downhill a little bit. Uh, but Carl Kaufman, this guy they've been covering there and following with the in the minor leagues, is good to see him and, and see that potential. But like you're saying, he, there's still some growth. That needs to happen with Carl Kaufman. Definitely. And I mean, it. a lot of it comes down to the command. And one thing with Kaufman is he's not just able to beat guys with his stuff. Um, and so there's a disadvantage of it when you can't pump 97. You can miss with 97 over the middle of the plate and get away mm-hmm. with it. You can't do that with 92. Um, and that's kind of the boat that Carl Kaufman is in. So um, it's never been the most exciting profile, so to speak. It's not that <laughs> high octane Um guy but that doesn't mean he can't be an effective pitcher and i think he showed that the first time through the order um in that start in texas and then um you know mario and i were talking about it a little bit on the slack channel too he really needs to be able to work both sides of the plate especially against lefties otherwise mm-hmm. um that's going to let some guys cheat on him and so it just it showed some of the limitations so to speak that that kaufman has and um how it might get exposed a little bit at the major league level the second time through um, Texas swings it. So it wasn't the easiest assignment for him. And I thought overall he showed pretty well, uh, but for him to be a successful contributor in the rotation on a consistent basis, it, you know, it also showed some of the things that need to come around. Um, he's clicked a little bit more in May. Uh, one of the big things with Kaufman was once he got promoted to triple a Albuquerque last year, the walks really spiked. Mm-hmm. Um, again, hard assignment, just the Pacific coast league in general. So, um, he, you know, getting yourself into trouble and then being in a very unfavorable environment leads to inflated ERAs, but the more that he can limit the self-inflicted damage, the better off he is. And I think he showed that pretty well, um, in his major league debut and so far through May, if he can throw strikes, at least that's kind of the minimum requirement to be in the Rockies rotation. And he's at least showing <laughs> that so far in May. Yeah, throwing strikes, but then it really matters where you're throwing those strikes. Yeah. So you're saying that that, that kind of seems to be the overall problem that we're seeing with the Rockies just starting pitching problems. Aside from injuries, it's just pitch execution, location, you know, their command. When you're missing middle, middle, all over the plate to everybody, that's where we're seeing a lot of these lopsided games immediately where our starters are lasting three innings at the most. Uh, but then we can get starts where Kyle Freeland or Austin Gomber go out there and throw out six, seven innings of high quality baseball. So it's, it's find that balance and it's, we're going to need guys like Kaufman. This is kind of added desperation. These guys are going to have that opportunity when you're losing guys at your rotation, you need these guys to, to make the most of their opportunity. And if they're not panning out or if it doesn't work can kind of, be that process with the Rockies of 
okay, we got to reassess. These guys just probably aren't in the picture. Maybe we can trade them and get something else to work with or, or whatever. But there's that silver lining with injuries is you can kind of audition guys now instead of waiting until you're putting all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. And I guess the the disappointing part and to to bring it full circle is there's a there's a very finite amount of guys that are eligible for the audition is mm-hmm. the tough part. And this is where the frustration for Rockies fans can come in is there wasn't enough added in the off season to prepare for something like this. Now, can you ever be fully prepared? Uh, well, I mean, you can maybe have the endless pockets of the Dodgers and then yes, depth for days, but most teams aren't. But there, it's very fair to say that there, there were certainly more available on the market that the Rockies could have added um, to create some reinforcements because, you know, the upper levels of the minors, especially on the pitching side, has just not been productive over the past couple of seasons. Double mm-hmm. um, A is showing a little bit more signs of life this year, but that's also coming with, you know, one step forward, two steps back, so to speak. Um, you get... Um, Chris McMahon into the rotation and he's out there and he's throwing, and he's looking well, well, Joe rock made one start and the shoulder went down and Nick Bush still hasn't thrown this year. So it's like the Rockies have seen the writing on the wall for this for a while. And now a lot of the eggs really just go into Carl Kaufman and a Ryan Feltner and a Noah Davis are the depth. And again, this comes back to the Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison conversation. There's a lot of smoke being put into the fire that Ryan Rollison is actually throwing again, but would it surprise anybody if he immediately gets vaulted into the next guy up after not pitching for three years? Yeah. That on one hand, that speaks to okay, you still have faith, you still are a big Ryan Rollison fan as an organization as a whole. Good. But also that means there is such little in the way from him being finally back pitching again to him being the front of the line for the next guy up. Um, you know, that just speaks to the depth that they didn't really build up in the off season. So now yeah. we're seeing them exposed. And that's going to be a big question heading into the next off season, looking way ahead in our crystal balls is starting pitching is a premium market and the Rockies are going to have to learn to play in that market. Um, I, Cause I still firmly, they, they probably just, priced themselves out of the starting pitching market last off season. Once guys were going for 10, 11, $12 million contracts for one year mm-hmm. and they don't want to pay that for one year of a starting pitcher. And so they might have to readjust how the market's going and, and learn to play in that because yeah, we're seeing the effects now. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why, you know, maybe a, a number three kind of guy is getting paid. 12 mil or maybe he's more of a number four you know what have you but it's not not ace caliber um, numbers the price is inflated sure but that mm-hmm. also goes to show when you sign a jose arania to a what two by five basically or something mm-hmm. you kind of got what you paid for with that one didn't you so exactly. maybe you pony up instead and okay it might not be uh the, the most appetizing price tag for a guy but you need somebody to give you some quality innings. And if you know the younger guys aren't going to be able to do it, or you want to give some insurance for those younger guys to battle it out for just one spot instead of maybe three spots in the rotation, then you you go and you pay for you know a quality major league arm for a year. Mm-hmm. You've a Michael Lorenzen or whatever it may be. So uh, I believe you know, I agree completely that they're gun shy over it. And I think that that's just more of a stigma stigma for the Rockies, historically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta get over it. 
because you just you gotta you gotta improve the pitching area and you can't just live or die with two two or three guys. Yeah. And if they're so worried about it of pitchers not wanting to come, pour as much money as you can to figure out how to pitch at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Like there's some pretty easy solutions. So we'll keep talking about it and crying from the rooftops of it. <laughs> we'll be pounding on the table for the 31st consecutive year in 2024. Yeah, and hopefully they'll figure it out eventually. Mm-hmm. But we'll go ahead and take a quick break here for our audio listeners. Video people will keep going on. Uh, but we'll be right back after these quick messages. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All righty, Kenneth, let's keep this rolling on. Thanks for coming back with us here on Rocky Mountain Rooftop here with Affected by Altitude. And we, we talk about the starting pitching and everything. And there's the bullpen, I think, is one that's getting more recognition this season after years of it being awful. One of the worst in all of baseball for the past couple of seasons. I think since, what, like 2020, we've been one of the worst bullpens in baseball and they made a concerted effort in the offseason and have kind of stitched together a pretty nice bullpen that has done a lot of work, carried a lot of, of, of the weight this season for the Rockies. And, and that one's continually shuffling in. They're having to stick in some parts in and out. But overall, the bullpen has been phenomenal. Uh, we've got guys like Brent Suter. You've got Jake Bird and Justin Lawrence doing well. Uh, Pierce Johnson, he can be shaky at times, but still fairly solid. They've used Brad Hand sparingly, but he's been effective here and there. And then Daniel Bard, he's still not quite where he, where we want him to be, but he's there and he's performing. And then we have some other names thrown in there. Nick Mears has been in there. He's on the injured list. Uh, Fernando Abad was on for a couple of games, and we said, no, thank you. <laughs> and he's off the roster Matt Karasidi is back on the roster. First time since 2016. Full circle for that guy. And then uh, Riley Pint made his long-awaited debut. And we'll talk about all these guys. But bullpen, where are you at with the bullpen there, Ken? I I mean, you got to be happy with it, right? This is uh, really, really dependent on three guys. Um Bird, Suter, and Lawrence, I feel like have done a ton of the heavy lifting for the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't updated it, but heading into the Texas series of relievers with the most appearances, but to not make a start, Jake Bird has the most with, I believe it was 21 appearances. Suter was second with 19, and Lawrence was somewhere in the ballpark of six with about 16 or 17. Um, so they're just, they're leaning so heavily on the bullpen and they've been very, very good. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely comes down to bird kind of being the, the new age fireman for the Rockies. Like, I just, I don't know if there's a defined role for Jake bird other than mm-hmm. whenever there's leverage go bird, man, that seems to be the whole thought process, but Suter has been, um, much the same. And then it's, it's good to see Lawrence really evolve into a true setup man. Um, I think he's really taken that step and embraced it this year. So 
you got to be happy with it. Um, I, I agree that the uh, Brad Hand has been well utilized. Um, you could say that uh, they've had a light touch with Hand, which is uh -huh. <laughs> perfect. But he has been good in the spots that he's been asked of him. And I think that they're also trying to create um, the most stable environments for Daniel Bard to get him on track, which, you know, I, I think that's a healthy philosophy. And then Johnson it might not always be the prettiest and cleanest innings. He's kind of going uh, Craig Kimbrell on it where it's getting it done, but it doesn't always look the best. So <laughs> it's, it's been working. Um, so they have a good thing going. Um, you know, my whole thought process on it though, right now is this is the embodiment. This is the, the definition of bullpen burnout um, mm -hmm. on the horizon. Cause right now the Rockies starting rotation has the second fewest innings pitched in baseball at 214 and a third heading into today. Uh, Sunday while sitting eighth in innings pitched um, at 70.1 out of the bullpen. You know, they have the top bullpen war. They have the second best earn run average, but a lot of that is coming down to a bunch of heavy appearances from Lawrence Suter and bird. And so if you're going to have to keep using them as we get into June and as we get into July bullpen burnout, and then you kind of start showing your true colors a little bit feels like that's on the horizon. Yeah. We've seen that a couple of times where, oh, some shaky appearances from Jake bird or Justin Lawrence or not so much suitor. He's been pretty consistent mm -hmm. throughout, but you know, Jake bird and Justin Lawrence, it seems like every time there's that big situation, here comes Jake bird, here comes Justin Lawrence and you no know, on a night to night basis. And yeah, I'm sure those guys are pumped up and they're raring and ready to go whenever, but uh, getting exposed as often as they do, you know, you can start to see where, you know, batters start to lay off a little more. You know, the more they see those Frisbees from Justin Lawrence, the more they're going to learn to lay off of them. And you know, so hopefully that burnout doesn't come, but I, I kind of agree with that where it, it feels like it's coming at some point, you know, just around the bend, you're going to have a bullpen that's just getting beat up time and time again, or maybe injuries start to, to show up, you know, there's always those things to worry about, but man, I, I, you just hope that they can keep it up as best they can. And but part of that to help prevent that is the starting pitching has got to get better and pitch it deeper into games. But on this uh, opposite end, these guys are, can't take it away from them though. They've been spectacular and they've kind of been that calming influence. Not for the most part, or a lot of those main guys calming influence where you don't have to worry as much. Once Bird or Lawrence come in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you know, the back half of the game you don't worry as much. It's well, and when you're talking about some of the cracks being exposed, so to speak, when you know the the heavy usage for a Lawrence or a Bird happens, um, it's also it could just be diminished stuff. I mean, based uh -huh. off the workload. And uh, I, I misspoke earlier on this. It wasn't uh, total re relief appearance. It's innings pitch where Jake Bird is at the top. Suter is sitting second and Lawrence at this point, I think is fifth now um, of just pure reliever. So it's, it's multiple innings. It's multiple, uh, you know, sets frames that they're having to go. And, you know, I think Jake Bird is the personification of that. You, you mm -hmm. keep on writing it and maybe it's the rubber elbow. Sure. But maybe there's a, a hard wall that gets hit along the way. So um, you got to be pleased. And I think that that th this is probably the biggest factor into the team being as good as they've been in May. Um, 
is you're getting performances, you know, in different spots of the lineup. Um, you're having some consistency out of Diaz, which is creating some runs. And then when you're getting into the later stages of a game, the bullpen is doing a remarkable job in locking it down. Um, so, hey, I, you know, it's it's a good recipe to get wins, but it's hard for that to be sustainable throughout a season. That's kind of where I'm at with them right now. So um, happy for him. I think this is showing a lot for Jake Bird. Um, I think we're seeing the growth of Justin Lawrence and Suter is, has just been such a welcome addition and a breath of fresh air um, that it's helping not put us, you know, in Daniel Bard and Brad Hand having to be the guys who are managing this workload because that would probably um, dissolve quicker. Um, but again, you need that rotation to start getting through into the third time in the order more consistently. Cause right now, I mean, we have the most starts in baseball under 80 pitches and it's by a pretty wide margin. So it's showing that they're having pretty quick hooks and you're getting like a Peter Lambert in there, you know, it's here or there, but when your long reliever is throwing three times a week, that's too much long relief. And that's kind yeah. of the, the point the Rockies have been in. <laughs> well, yeah. And then that's where you see a lot of these, moves and shuffling in the rope in the bullpen of bringing in relievers because they need a fresh arm because mm-hmm. oh jake bird just threw <laughs> has thrown four innings across the next two days we need an extra bullpen arm because oh we don't expect our starter to go more than three or four innings today and yeah. so that's that's where we've seen guys like fernando abad come up 37 year old was it been having a decent year down in triple a albuquerque mm-hmm. uh who knows what happens with him because he's been DFA'd. So if he goes back to Albuquerque, maybe he does. Uh, but that's why you see guys like him come back or come up. Matt Harris City's now up uh, with the team. And then Riley Pint got a, a brief, brief, tiny little cameo with the Rockies. Uh, just kind of give them, give them an arm for a day and everything. But it's that same thing we talk about with starting pitching where – the bullpen depth is also getting tested with them having to pitch so often. We need fresh arms who down in Albuquerque is ready to come up and, and eat and eat a couple innings on the day perhaps. So it's, it's a tough balance that they've got to figure out with depth, which is what we've always been talking about with pitching wise. Well, not only that, but you're also losing some of your candidates to take more relief innings to the rotation. Somebody like Connor Seabold is now going in and having to be, I guess the four in the staff, uh, you know, Austin Gomber feels like such a distant memory, but heading into the season was Austin Gomber a slam dunk for the rotation mm-hmm. after the way he was utilized last year. And um, so, you know, it's, it's again, just the, the, the injuries have a trickle effect throughout the the rest of the staff. Um, and now you're leaning on a Seabold. I think uh, Demelson Lamette is an interesting conversation right now because he could conceivably come back into either one of those roles with the way that they're handling his rehab and given his previous history as a starter in San Diego. So um, he was good for him last year out of the pen. There's a serious lacking in the rotation and he wasn't very good for them in the pen to start this season. So which way is it going to go? But that's, you know, somebody else is coming in. I think I feel like, the next guy on the docket when it's coming just a pure uh, pure relief role and it's going to be based on you know health obviously um hollowell just got activated so we're Mm going to see on hollowell but also blair calvo is another name to keep an eye on um i Mm -hmm. think that there are a couple of bullpen reinforcements um that could be on the way for the staff as a whole but 
you're going to need a lot of them if you, mm-hmm. you know keep on getting the hook in the fourth inning uh, at three ever three out of every four games, and that's kind of the the state the Rockies have been in. Yeah, because we've got Tyler Kinley, who's going to be back. You know, maybe by the All Star break. Mm-hmm. You know, so he'll be He's coming back lot. soon. And then you've got Nick Mears who will be coming off the injured list sometime soon. He can pump the gas, even if he's a little wild. So there are those reinforcements that can come. It's just that same, (laughs) same issue that we have with the starting rotation of, well, no one's a real slam dunk of, okay, we know when this guy comes up, he's going to be lights out. You're just going to roll the dice and say (laughs) with a hope and a prayer, say, man, I hope this guy doesn't, I hope this guy pans out. Yeah, and Buddy, as a former pitcher, is very particular about uh, his trust with those situations. Uh, I think Jake Bird, it's very clear that he crossed that line into uh, Black's good favors this year. And now look Mm -hmm. at him, he's always out there. Um, They're going to have to start small because that's just the way Black handles it. And so they're going to have to have limited um, opportunities. I think that just the situation, if, if there's some burnout in the bullpen or the starting pitching continues to to lack the ability to go deep into games may force Black's hand, but he's going to try to, you know, blanket them as much as possible and, and, you know, shelter them from, from too many opportunities to avoid a lot of damage happening to him. Cause that's just, yeah. that's the way he operates. Yeah. And kind of a textbook thing of that. And this kind of transition, our last thing we'll talk about in this segment uh, was the long awaited debut of Riley Pint. Mm-hmm. Who incredible story. Uh, you recently wrote an article about, about his journey, and it's kind of been the talk of the town. Uh, when he made, debuted in that last game uh, at home at Crucio before they headed down on the road trip, and wasn't a great debut, no, that's okay. Yeah. After the journey he's been on, for him to, to get on a mound is pretty incredible. And we, you know, all of us, Purple Row and people in Rockies fandom, have been rooting for the kid to finally make it. No, after being drafted in 2016, our number our number one pick that year uh, for the Rockies, and then struggled, injuries, everything, retired after during the 2021 season, then re-signed, came back with the Rockies for 2022, and kind of turned into a relief pitcher, and then just quickly rose back up into AAA and was added to the 40 men, and then Rockies added him to the roster uh, finally to get a debut, but. It, wasn't a great debut, <laughs> debut yeah. like you said, but it, you could kind of see that blanket protecting of Riley Pint uh, once he walked a couple of guys. They already had somebody warming up right away, you know, early in that inning, as just in case. Uh, but you know, I think at the end of the day, nobody really cared how he did anything. It was just the fact that he was on the mound. Yeah, I think that was the plan all along. Um, you know, I, I I think it was Monday when I brought it up. Um, how many runs, what was the run differential that was safe? What was the margin that was needed to get Riley Pine into a ball game? And I think also they knew the move was coming, so they had to make sure they got him an opportunity before they sent him back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because as you mentioned, I mean, it's just, it's such a, a scroll of a journey, um, that for him to, to finally get to the mound on Coors field is just such an accomplishment for him and the organization, I think is the way that it's been built up that it, it needed to happen while he was up even. And again, the, the results were irrelevant. It was, you need to, to see it because when we talk about Riley Pine, you know, the more I thought about it heading into that article, 
has any Rockies player had higher expectations put on them? You know, is there is there another guy that has before they've you know even achieved anything in their career, so to speak, been labeled as the guy as much as Riley Python was? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 one of those interesting things where he's just there was a lot put on to teenage kids in the industry um, of baseball, and it doesn't always work out. And for Pine to actually make it into the big leagues is is huge on its own right. And there's still a legitimate bona fide big league arm there. And he could, you know, evolve into a dominant reliever. It's not a finished product by any means. I think the debut showed us that. Um, but it's a viable option. And I think it's one that the Rockies were very determined to see pitch for them at the very least this season. So, um, you know, hey, we'll see. We'll see if more comes from it, from it. But it finally... The the nice part is it kind of finally feels like this story is actually starting now. Um, mm. It doesn't feel like this was, oh, okay, it's, you know, he made it. Now he can cast him off into the sunset. It's like, okay, <laughs> he, he got it out of the way. He he can be here. So um, we'll see. You know, we mentioned earlier the other types of relievers that are there, and I don't think he's higher on the totem pole than some of those other guys, to be honest. I think some of the, the guys being shut down um, with injuries at that time created the opportunity for Pint. So, um, hey. You know, the whole point of this conversation has been there's going to be more arms needed because we still mm-hmm. got a long ways to go. <laughs> and he's certainly in that that conversation. So that's the good news. Yeah, and I'd like to see what he can do when it's not the first game jitters, uh, the, yeah. the adrenaline and everything that happens when you're after all that to then expect him to, to pitch. No, lights out. It would have been nice. Sure. I just watched the rookie last night with <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Quaid. So we, we would have loved Riley Pint to come out there and, and strike out Royce Clayton, former Rocky, in that movie. Uh, oh, but Royce Clayton to get his first at bat in 14 years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what an incredible story! What the Reds are doing <laughs> with Royce Clayton. Uh, but so that would have been nice. We would have loved the storybook. Oh, he, after this long journey, he comes in and he strikes out the side mm-hmm. uh, and everything. No, it's not how it happens. Ends up walking the bases loaded, you know, that type of thing. But that that journey for him, and I'd love to see what he can do now. He's had that moment. He's kind of you know, been able to soak that in. And now when he goes back to Albuquerque, he does his thing. And then be ready for the next time he come up, he can be all business. He's like, okay, I've been in the big leagues now. now I, I've, got, I've walked over that. I've gotten across that bridge. Now I can just focus on that and not worry about the emotions and, and everything. And so it's probably good that they had as big a lead as they did at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> the run differential there. But that journey, because we're going to need him. He's a guy that's proven, okay, I, I can be a relief pitcher and I can be effective. And that's who we need now. And uh, hopefully other pitchers that are <laughs> don't have to go through the same journey, that hard journey that he did. But it's cool to see him come out on the other side of it. And then maybe it can then can can kind of lead him to be a leader among the other young guys that he plays with of, man, I I went through this and this is what I learned and this is how I got over and got better at it or got over things and and improved to where he's at now, where he can now officially say, I'm been, I'm a big league pitcher. And that's always a nice story to have. Yeah. And one thing with a lot of players is uh, it's one, you know, the harder part is to stay in the majors than to actually reach the majors. And so I don't think that the learning is done and having the same clubhouse and, you know, sharing the same locker room with somebody like Daniel Bard, I think could help him um, 
get closer to the point that you were mentioning of, of kind of being a, a bullpen leader. And that's, I think that's a long-term, you know, perspective. Mm. That's a long-term idea because first he has to learn how to stick in the majors. Um, mm. That's, that's going to be the big thing. But when we talk about, uh, you know, long journeys and well-documented struggles, well, Daniel Bard was the guy, he was the next great closer um, in baseball and there was absolutely no debate over it. And then he went from that, peak you know basically getting jonathan babblebond out of town because there's somebody we like better probably as a person too and then we're gonna (laughs) (laughs) but uh then that just the wheels completely fell off you know um and so he had you know such a a, a long road to get back um to the major leagues and has found a way to make it work and so that's just that's one of those things where you hope that it is able to translate from that success story to a new one um, and I think that's the path that the Rockies have really tried to draw out for Pine as best they could. And then, hey, if it does, you know, he moves on to the next generation of being able to be that guy to to explain it to him. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a wonderful thought. But I think just how much he can stick into the bullpen on a day to day basis over the course of this season um, is going to be the interesting tell to to see how much of a reality that situation could be. Yeah. Because, like we said, if you can throw strikes, you're in a good spot. And he's still that a lot of these... 99 with a mean slider. Like, yeah, <laughs> we talked about Carl Kaufman, and Carl Kaufman doesn't have the luxury of getting away with mistakes over the middle of the plate. Riley Pine does. Riley Pine absolutely does. And so it's just, you know, how, how often can he actually control the strike zone? Not so much command within the strike zone. That's that's the thing with Pine that has to develop. Yeah. <laughs> we can say that about a ton of guys. Yeah, well, that's not, baseball. We can't, we can't say ninety nine with a with a mean slider about a ton of guys, though. I wish, yeah. Yeah. especially with the Rockies with their seven total pitches of ninety eight and higher. That was hilarious. Goodness, yeah, we, we do <laughs> not throw such a gas small number on the board. <laughs> and the top teams like three hundred and something. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah, you have an armbar of a Roldis Chapman's at the top of the list, and then you have yeah. one Justin Lawrence outing on the bottom, <laughs> and that accounts for all of the Rockies' pitches over 98 miles an hour this season. That means you got a staff full of Jamie Moyer. Not that quite slow, but no, <laughs> <laughs> not not quite that bad. But yeah, it was it was an insane, uh, you know, stretch from the the top of the list, which was was it Tampa? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Tampa like, like 341 that. pitches over 98. This year in the Rockies, seven, seven. <laughs> and how many do I need to pass? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, did Fernando Abad throw a single of his EFIS pitches at all? He's, <laughs> I don't know. I had regionals this weekend. So to be honest, I haven't been able to to track um, the, the Ranger series as well as I would. Uh, I figure if he had thrown, we would have seen like Pitching Ninja or somebody post it. I would imagine he's, he, he's thrown a couple of those in Albuquerque. It's like 50 something miles an hour. Mm. Just whoop <laughs> the grinky good times. righty. Well, that, that's kind of our, our spill on the, on the bullpen. We'll take one last break here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of the rookies here on the Rockies having some interesting experiences so far. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. righty. Welcome back here for our final segment here on Affected by Altitude. Again, Skyler here, along with Kenneth, as Evan is in Texas, not having fun, 
in <laughs> at a, the Ranger Stadium. Was it Globe Life Field? I don't know what they're called anymore. The Tough Shed. Yeah, the <laughs> the giant shed barn. Uh, He's working the on his tan with a big frown on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to close things out here with a couple of the rookies. And they've been kind of a key part in some of the turnaround for the Rockies this month as they're still finding their way, uh, but they're having their their moments uh, of greatness that we've seen. And that's in Ezekiel Tovar and Brenton Doyle. And I think first and foremost, we want to talk about Brenton Doyle because ever since he got called up and then he's kind of become a regular member of the of the outfield kind of rotation out there with Randall Gritchick and Jerks and Profar, those three are kind of mixing around uh, who's getting playing time. And defensively, Brenton Doyle is there. He's kind of been that true center fielder the Rockies haven't had in a long time mm-hmm. since maybe like Drew Stubbs maybe. And even then is stubby. Yeah. You got away with it a little bit with, you know, the end of Charlie Blackman's peak, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it was never, never quite that athlete out in center field. Um, the power speed combo. I agree that the story of Drew Stubbs's career was the potential for him to be that guy, but you only saw it in very limited qualities. So uh, Preston Wilson, you want to go with that? Yeah. It's like far, that far back. Like Willie Tavares probably was like, the legit center fielder they had the speed part of it at least yeah the speed part of it and then yeah dexter fowler yeah when you had cargo out there that was honestly that like that's the the embodiment that's the 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 prototype that you want the problem is you need carlos gonzalez's bat more than you need carlos gonzalez the center fielder and so Mm -hmm. that's why he got shifted off the position but you know that's that's the ideal guy yeah, but we, we've seen that potential with Brenton Doyle, and I think that's what mm-hmm. you know, got a lot of fans excited. You know, and what's nice is to see him as a rookie getting as much playing time as he is now, where he, he's out there more often than not. And you know, they talk about jerks and profile probably won't play as much now. You have Gritchick back, and so you can kind of take Profar out of games and you can leave Gritchick in there so then Doyle can play center field. And, and so that outfield positioning's probably in a much better spot than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, just defensively, you can be pretty safe with everybody out there. But it's nice to see that potential with Doyle to just see him move out there and make spectacular plays. And where defensively, he's he's there as a big leaguer. You know, and, and we've seen him throw some cannons, show off his arm, make some spectacular catches where – you watch him, you're like, man, I'm okay with watching him play center field for a couple of years. Yeah, it shows. I mean, it's just, it's so evident and it stands out um, in such a good way. Um, you know, I was, I was working the Cincinnati series and it, everything that he can do to change the game was really on display in that series. Um, he had the two home run game where any mistake over the plate where he was able to get extension. I mean, he can just, he can wallop balls. He can, mm-hmm. he has some, you know, top shelf in game power. Um, and then he was also able to cover that left center gap better than anybody, at least in recent memory that has manned center field for the Rockies uh, for a long stretch of time. And I think that's the big thing is that, 
you know, ball over his head into the gap or that ball in front of him. He has that speed to close down so much ground in the biggest outfield in baseball. And, um, you know, I think it's something, whether you want to say it's been neglected for too long or they just, uh, you know, have had bad luck with the position, whatever. It's so important to have a premier center fielder at Coors Field because that just goes a long way um, in in saving runs in you know a high scoring environment with a with a gigantic center field and Doyle did that um, very very well in that Cincinnati series along with just being a, a monster at the plate you know he offers he offers something much different from kind of anybody else in the lineup. And I think it shows with stolen bases. He comes in and within like three weeks is doubling the team total by himself, you know? (laughs) So um, there's just a a whole new dimension to the offense, to the lineup that, uh, that Doyle brings. And it's, you know, he's a rookie. He's still learning and there's going to be good days and bad days with, he still, you know, has, uh, 35% strikeout percentage or whatever. So the swing and miss is still there, but what he offers it has the chance to be special and you get to see it in moments right now. Yeah. And there's something Evan and I have talked about uh, and kind of that sentiment of you can, you're okay with Brent Doyle going out there. And you're like, man, yeah, he does need to cut down on those strikeouts, mm-hmm. but I still want him out there playing every day because like we said, he's a rookie and needs that time to grow and learn and adapt and hopefully we'll figure it out at some point. And you brought up the the cargo comparison there in center field. That's exactly what happened with Carlos Gonzalez of Jim Tracy. It's like, no, he's my guy. I need We need his glove. Defensively, we need his glove. And because of what he's doing defensively, he's going to keep getting his offensive opportunities. And then cargo figures it out you know, by like July 4th, kind of start has to turn around in 2009 and becomes the player we knew him as with the Colorado Rockies. And it seems like that's kind of what they're doing with Brent Doyle now of, okay, we trust your glove. We want your glove. You're doing great things defensively. The offense will come as we hopefully give you more opportunities and you can figure that out and cut down on those strikeouts a bit. You know, and keep showing off that power and getting on base and utilizing that speed of his where he's, he's got that big combo speed, power, defense, He's at least a three tool player. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the hit tool. And that's, that's, you know, the big question with him and specifically how much can he limit the swing and miss? Um, it's, it's a high floor or it's a very high ceiling, but there could be a low floor, so to speak. He mm-hmm. really made an adjustment in the second half of last season at double a Hartford. Um, that changed everything for him. I think there was a lot of inconsistencies in his game. And I think that there was a, a coin flip prospect, so to speak, that he was. Um, but his second half of the year in double A last year, and then when he got uh, promoted up to triple A Albuquerque and just completely destroyed the PCL for 10 games or whatever he was up there with, something was different. And a uh, similar development happened with Michael Tolia. Um that we're we're kind of waiting to see the dividends get paid off for that. We're waiting uh-huh. for that yield a little bit. But for right now, um, I think that Black is showing faith in in Doyle pretty quickly, um, at the very least, because of how much he's contributing defensively. And then I uh-huh. think if you just get those hot series the same way that he showed against Cincinnati, hey, that's a great ask. And then you and I had this conversation a little bit in Slack uh, last week. It was is a pretty good option for that second leadoff spot to roll over the order a little bit. 
um, give you some, you know, some some high double potential or something like that. He could really change the the narrative of a game or an inning uh, with just one swing. That's uh, you know the type of mm-hmm. potency that's in his bat. So um, it's it's been awesome. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be some growing pains, but overall, he's a really fun player to watch. Yeah, and, and coming into today's game on Sunday against Texas, I think Yuri has one hit in the game, but. Coming into the game before he was, he's hitting 246, has a 281 on base, which so hopefully that gets better. And then a 508 slugging. He's got an OPS plus of 100. So he he's he's getting there. He's showing that power. It's just we need him to get on base more and more so he can utilize that speed. Well, start dropping some bunts, doing something. We need Brenton Doyle on base because out of that nine hole, he then makes guys like Chris Bryant. Elias Diaz, Jerickson Profar, Charlie Blackman makes them more valuable because there's more guys on base and you know they can do what we've paid them to do of driving runs. So it, it's just nice to see Brenton Doyle getting it done. Uh, and he's kind of paralleling the parallel to Ezekiel Tovar. Same thing where they're getting it done defensively. Mm-hmm. Tovar is playing some good shortstop defense. He's getting more accustomed. He, I think he's loosened up. Quite a bit. I was listening to the radio, uh, the radio broadcast because I can't watch the games. And Jack Corgan and, and I think he was talking to Bud Black on the Bud Black show, mm-hmm. and they were just talking about how Ezekiel Tovar's more or less kind of loosened himself up. That first month, he wasn't giving himself the freedom to move uh, and, and trust himself. I think he was kind of tightened up a bit on defense, but then as he's gotten more comfortable and he's letting himself play defense the way he knows he can, we're seeing that pay dividends where he's making nice plays, making nice throws, and and bringing out that shortstop defense we've grown so accustomed to in Colorado because we've been spoiled so much for the past decade plus of Troy Tulowitzki and Trevor Story. And so it's nice to see him kind of loosening up and playing defense to the level we know he can and what got him to this point. And it's just still kind of same with Doyle, that offense. We're still waiting for the offense to just kind of click and become consistent. Yeah. Um, you know, the the book on on Tovar was he's he's a major league shortstop right now. Um, well, it was kind of the way that he was described uh, after he kind of broke onto the scene in 2021 with Fresno. Um, and I agree. I think he was really pressing um, in the first month of the season. I think that there was just, a, you know, you can – say it in so many different ways, but um, he was kind of having trouble just keeping up with the pace of the game and, and uh, being just a little, little hesitant or caught up um, Mm -hmm. in trying to figure it out. And then uh, it it really did flip in May. Um, That series against the Brewers defensively uh, was one of the more impressive middle infield series that I've ever seen from a Rockies player. I mean, you can, you can pull from a half dozen highlights of plays that he's making that very few guys in the big leagues um, make, and he's, he's doing it pretty easily. So, um, he was loosened up and it's very evident. Um, I think it started to show a little bit offensively too. You see just the game changing potential for him. Um, and when the Rockies kind of kicked off a really good stretch in May, he was there to start May, I should say, at least he was their best player. Um, and it, it goes to show that, uh, once he figures it out and you know, he's not all the way there yet, but this is the new guy. That's the engine of the team. When Tovar goes, the Rockies go. 
And I really, I firmly believe that that's the way that it's, it's shaping out to be because, I mean, he had from the Arizona series through Milwaukee and the Mets, he put up a 364, 382, 727 slash line and a 183 WRC plus. So for, you know, a 10 day stretch there where the Rockies go or a 10 game stretch where the Rockies went like eight and two, I think it was, uh, Tovar was the man and he was the backbone of that team. And you know, there's still the moments where he's pressing. He had, you know, a pretty rough game against Cincinnati in the first game of the series, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Mm. Didn't start out well the next time up. I think he was 0 for 7 with six strikeouts, leading into just an opposite field uh, inside out home run. And so he, you know, there's still the moments. And Black mentioned he's a 21 year old just kind of trying to stay afloat at times. And that's mm-hmm. fair. Uh, you know, that's the point that he's at right now. But I think that 10 game stretch to kick off the month um, really showed what the hype is for and also what it can mean when Tovar, you know, finally does start clicking and start feeling like a confident big leaguer. Cause that's, you know, that's the new engine of the Rockies when he starts going. Yeah. And, and it's the thing offensively is we've seen those, you know, those, those moments, those little bits and spurts of it. We're like, yes, that, that's what the Tovar that we want. That's the the one that we can expect where he can get on base, use some speed, show some power, and, and be that that you know, another spark plug there in that lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of it that we're seeing with Doyle as well is these rookies just learning the strike zone and learning, I guess the strike zone, just learning how to, to cut down on the strikeouts or at least normalize them a little bit where you're not getting the huge gap of 40 some odd strikeouts to six walks. So it's you know, figuring out the plate approach. Cause we've seen Tovar, you no, know, he'll strike out <laughs> three pitches, one, two, three, but then he'll throw out those at bats where he sees, you know, 12, 13 pitches. And then he strikes out or does manage to draw a walk or something. And so we, we see those, little those little glimpses of what they can do at the plate and if tovar can figure that out once he can click and really figure out his approach at the plate and how opposing pitchers are throwing him because he is he's an aggressive hitter he's going up there swinging and if he can figure out when to do that when to to utilize that aggression to his benefit i think we'll then see him really start to take off offensively to catch up to the defense he's already got it's it's very interesting kind of having these two in the same conversation because there's there's a comparable kind of young guy, high strikeouts, figuring it out um, narrative with both. But they get there in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the swing decisions have always been the big thing when it comes to Ezekiel Tovar's plate approach and you know the, the questions that he needs to answer where it's not so much... Um, chasing or swinging or whiffing necessarily it's uh putting bad balls in play or going after uh you know pitches outside of the strike zone consistently which can lead mm-hmm. to some of those long at bats that he's able to win or it can lead into a whole lot of nothing in that bat because you know you're going after that slider off the plate you're getting yourself out so to speak um when it comes to doyle the whiff is the bigger concern the, the actual swing and miss within the zone so um they get there in different ways of you know, having to, to refine and just really pick and choose your battles on when to attack and when to unleash that aggression. Um, 
but that's okay. I mean, that's that's the whole point of letting these guys play right now is so mm-hmm. they can start figuring out in major league experience. And you know, a lot of the hair pulling moments for Rockies fans this year has been uh, why why are they not in there to 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 gain these important at bats for their development? Um, so that way they can start refining those plate approaches and understand what it takes to be cons- or to be successful consistently. Um, with Doyle and Tovar, they're getting those opportunities. And I think with Tovar as a whole for the entire season, that's, that's always been the plan. They're not the only ones is, is where we can leave it if we need to. But, um, the Rockies are honestly a better team right now playing their younger players. Mm-hmm. And it's a healthier thing for their organization moving forward. The more of these younger guys they can get in. It's yeah. been good in May, but uh, you know, it, it needs to keep on continuing that direction and garnering more and more of that experience because that's going to be beneficial for uh, the organization down the road. Yeah. Because then if these guys aren't panning out or they just can't figure it out, you can cut bait and reassess and move other guys up. So it's just a free flowing, nice, <laughs> your pipes aren't clogged. Yeah. Like you is... mentioned, you brought up the Drano. <laughs> yeah. It's just, man, you know, I'll, I'll say it right now. You got to see what you have now in, in Tolia and Montero and uh, Coco Montez is another conversation that needs to be had right now. There's, it's not just Doyle and Tovar. Um, mm-hmm. that need to be gaining this important experience and also providing a fresher, newer faced product uh, that will, is is more captivating to fans and, and the clubhouse. So um, they're not the only ones, but the fact that we're kind of seeing this right now and, and getting to watch um, the, the peaks and valleys, so to speak, with their development, uh, you know, that's, that's a good sign at the very least. Yeah, it's good stuff. If, they're still going to be terrible. We'd at least want to watch these young guys growing and getting that experience more than watching Harold Castro go 0 for 4 again, that type of thing. 100%. And I'll throw CJ Crone into that conversation, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah, we've had our fun with them, but okay, let's start turning the things over. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over. Want some change. It's, one, it, it's just, it's one thing we, you know, it goes back to the, the, the starting rotation. If you don't have any other options. Okay. Like he just, you got to go with the guy and that's just what it is because there's, there's nothing else on that. But when you have, um, you know, it, the position backfilled with guys waiting for their opportunities, man, if you're going to be eight games under 500 with them, you can be eight games under 500 without them too. Start giving you know the the overflow those opportunities to see what they can do because you might be surprised. Yeah, because and we're seeing it around baseball. Teams are a little bit more, I think, willing to eat some contracts, cut bait with the veteran that has been good for them in the past. Cut bait so then younger guys can play. They can get new fresh faces in there. Saw with Aaron Hicks with with New York, Arizona cut bait with Madison Bumgarner. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that stuff happen. Hosmer, yeah, yeah. Eric Hosmer got dumped by the by the Cubs. So in favor of you no know, younger players or newer, fresh players that are playing better, and for those teams to reassess instead of just throwing out, they're willing to eat those contracts, which it's bad for those guys, but they're still getting paid. So yeah, hey, the <laughs> the guaranteed contracts in baseball are are real, and so uh, just because you pay them doesn't mean you have to play them. And, yeah. you know, we're in the, the final year of some deals, too. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting because there's there is some trade value that's starting to to feel like a possibility for a couple of guys that maybe they would have been feeling more applicable for the DFA conversation. Um, will you, will they trade them when the time comes to? Because now, not only are you refusing to uh, you know, acknowledge that you have house money. You're not willing to do anything about it. If you hold on to a Gritchick, a Diaz, uh, you mm. know, we'll, we'll see about Crone, but a few guys where it's like, okay, if you can turn around and flip a Profar, a Gritchick, a Diaz, and get anything to help shoot for the future, you get active at the deadline and you move them. So that way um, you're able to create younger opportunities. And who knows? Maybe you got a good lottery ticket in the, in the batch. So yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a whole other thing when it comes to the trade deadline in July, because Rockies and trade deadlines um, are not exactly the best times. Yeah, because we don't have any superstars to trade at the moment. So, oh Bad well. Yeah, I don't know. Without bad mouthing, <laughs> uh, yeah, this there's an opportunity this year um, for the Rockies to to maybe flip a couple of pieces, and I think it will be more beneficial for their the direction of the franchise. But we'll see what happens. If their goal is 2024, there's a lot to do, and they have the opportunity to do it. So yep. Brent Doyle and Ezekiel Tovar are just kind of that first slow wave of guys coming in. Hopefully we see more as the season goes on and into next year. Yep, the new generation R. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bring back Dan O'Dowd. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's around in some way, shape, or form. Uh, he's tanning somewhere. <laughs> talking about stuff on on MLB Network, getting all oranged up, <laughs> getting all oranged up. Uh, quick story before we end. Uh, I went to the winter meetings in 2018 when they were in Las Vegas, and I passed Dan O'Dowd on an escalator. Or <laughs> well, I walked by him as I was head to an escalator, and I was like, "Hey, Dan, how's it going?" He's like, "Oh, hey, good." And he kept going, and like that was the orangest human being I have ever seen. <laughs> and like you can see where the tanning goggles are. Uh-huh. And so it's just white around his eyes and then just super orange, like yeah. Donald Trump orange. Yeah. I could see it like flaking off of him with just how caked on it would be. It's like secondhand smoke. Secondhand spray tan. <laughs> it was really funny. Like, Man, he, dude spends a lot of time in the tanning bed. Where he's just, <laughs> laying on the bronzer on his face or something. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's like aftershave for him. Taking it. Oh, Dan O'Dowd. But that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh, as always, we thank you for joining with us and putting up with our shenanigans. And we always appreciate your thoughts and feedback. Uh, Kenneth, where can the folks find you? I am on Twitter at kdub1988. Um, and then I'm going to be at Purple Row every Monday with my rock piles and uh, the Pebble Report. Awesome. And then you can find me over at sideline underscore crowd. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RockyMTNRooftop. And we're not as consistent. We try to post lineups and stuff. Uh, but as always, Evan and I get busy. So sometimes social media doesn't come through. But we try our best. Uh, also, you can always go find our Spreadshirt shop rocky-mountain-rooftop.myspreadshop.com you can find the sweet that's baseball bud black silhouette t-shirt we've got on there there's still plenty available for people to buy and that means you too kenneth go buy one do it count me in <laughs> they're pretty sweet 
Uh, Evan was at a minor league game and he wore it behind home plate. So nice free advertising. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. They're, they're pretty sweet shirts. You can get one for like 20 bucks. Pretty nice. Get one on a mug, hoodie, all that stuff. And it goes towards supporting the podcast so we can keep doing this and try and better the show more and more and keep doing this. Uh, but as always, appreciate you joining Kenneth. Always a pleasure. We'll have you back here again soon. Uh, here with Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Until next time, we'll see ya. Farewell! This has been Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast with Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. Catch new episodes every Monday on wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to follow us on YouTube as well for video versions of the show.